You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live, Geek Nerd Tech, featuring a weekly roundup of tech news and gossip. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Geek Nerd Tech. Oh, Tess. I get goosebumps when the baseline thumps. Suck it into your rise. Now it's time for lunch. That's the, that's the, uh, that's Eric Sermon. Was that Paris Smith? That's Eric Sermon. That's Eric. a customer. Yeah. Which is the song that's playing right now, which means it's time for Geek Nerd Tech. Uh, we're back, uh, you know, with a show that breaks down nerd culture, tech news from a black and brown geek perspective. Yes, we do. We are back. We've been gone for a minute. Um, uh, but we're back and it's good to be back. Uh, I'm here as always. I'm here with my man, Akili Shine. Yes, sir, man. Good to be back. Um, I know we got a lot of stuff to cover. A lot of things been happening on the, on the nerd side, on yep. the geek side and the tech side. Yeah. So. It's a lot. A lot, a lot has happened on our watch, but a lot of the, re- the, the good things I want to talk about, we're, we're just we're just in time for. Uh, we're going to touch on some video game stuff, particularly Call of Duty. Um, you know, I have Xbox One now, so we can talk about that. Um, and I got it. Uh, hi, Alexis. I forgot. Alexis is in the booth. How you doing, Alexis? I'm good. How are you guys? Um, we're, we'll talk about uh, Taylor Swift and some music and, 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 and Foo Fighters, and we'll get into some Interstellar. But before, let's get into some tech news. Um, I want to talk about President Obama and net neutrality. Uh, President Obama put the dropped the hammer down and, and did, did said his piece on net neutrality and then dropped the mic and said yeah. what? And good for him. I mean, for those of you who don't know, basically you know, the, the ongoing debate over over, over ISPs and net service providers being able to control the speed in which we receive our internet and be able to charge more or less for how fast we get our internet into our homes, the quote unquote slow lane and the fast lane and the, all these different ways for, um, these, these companies to make more money and basically screw consumers. For sure. Obama, President Obama just said no. Yeah. I mean, as he should. It's it's ironic, though, being that he appointed Tom Wheeler to to be the chairperson of the FCC, being that you know his previous position was at Comcast. So he's in a way kind of like a lobbyist for like these big cable sure, companies. Sure. So by him putting his foot down now, I mean, I think it's definitely a strong stamp of or, su- or suggestive of like, no, we have to have free internet for all. And okay. I, I mean, I think I mean clearly in the history of the FCC. More than four million people have left comments about, you know, wh- why they think that the internet should be free right. for all. So, I mean, clearly it's a groundswell of, of protest and act of what they call net activists or whatever yeah. to ensure that, you know, we have access to information and communication and we shouldn't be charged or shouldn't be, or content shouldn't be prioritized because a company wants to make a little bit more money than the next company. The yeah. eco, the internet ecosystem has to be free, has to have a, a free landscape. So. Absolutely. And I, I, I think it's the exact right thing. It's, it, it makes the most sense. And four million comments is a lot. Can you imagine scrolling down that comment section? Four, <laughs> <laughs> four million comments. But uh, no, I absolutely agree a thousand percent. And 
I think that uh, it, it's, it's interesting because there are some political ramifications because this does speak to, you know, the right wingers, white, right, I can't say it, but the white wingers. You said it right. <laughs> <laughs> the white wing. Uh, no, but the, the right wing. Thank you. You got it. Right wing. There the right wingers who really don't like, you know, government interfering in anything and government this and, you know, you know, and really believe in capitalism and businesses should be able to do what they want to do and make as much money as they want. Yeah. And it's capitalism. So this does kind of goes against like, hey, man, businesses should be able to charge what they want. Yeah. It's a free market. Businesses. De- deregulation. Deregulate yeah. everything. And now yeah. Obama stepping in with his big government and swinging his big government stick and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? They, I think he really has this one right. For um, sure. Uh, do you have any thoughts on net neutrality, Alexis? Do you, do you, do you, you want you want to, you're, you're young, so you, no, you're young I'm and not, free. Nope, I'm not gonna do it. No, <laughs> I'm not even gonna try. Okay, good. So, but you want a free internet, right? You don't want to pay more for the internet, do I you? I mean, yeah, I feel okay. like that the fact that it's even it's supposed to be a market for the fact of being free. I feel like if it's going to be a lot more problems if they decide to start paying for. I mean, they've been saying that about YouTube and like a lot of other things that you know that we need to start paying for that, but. Right. I feel like it's just going to cause more problems. and But, I mean, I think people are going to pay for it, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, you got to think, too, that, you know, the Internet, it, prom- it promotes economies. Like, it, it's a way to showcase new products, new ideas. It's way f- how we communicate through email and, and, and instant messaging. It's it's a way to even promote political, cultural cultural uh, uh, ideas. And so to think that, you know, this technology was, was birthed here in the United States, but the United States, in terms of industrialized countries, ranks like 38 or 39 in terms of Internet speed. That's crazy. Right. Like, why do we have such a low speed that we have all the new technology and we have all these these things to ac- have access to why are we ranked so so low on that on that scale right it's just true I, I i don't i don't know this is this is the we i mean god we're, well, we're we're ranked low on almost every scale <laughs> from, from from math and science to education Man. to everything else, and the most powerful you know, nation around. Uh, our priorities are clearly aren't you know any anything that's that's to advance the youth and advance this country. But uh, it's 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 true. So I, this is a very good thing that that President Obama did. I'm I'm within 100 percent for sure. Um, but speaking of, uh, of 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 changing the internet and really. Um, being ahead of the legal curve, SoundCloud now. There's a lot, a lot of kerfuffle. Hmm. That's that word. Kerfuffle. Hmm, I like uh, that a big, word. The big, the big, it sounds like a cuss word. <laughs> kerfuffle. <laughs> uh, over, uh, over, over what's going on with uh, SoundCloud. Now, SoundCloud has long, has long been sort of a free open space for, uh, music lovers and, and artists to almost like a lab, if you will, to be able to like, uh, share music, uh, you know, n- n- very, Famously, an artist will be working on something and then just upload it to SoundCloud to get feedback. Mm-hmm. Our artist will drop something that's unreleased up mm-hmm. on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, 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 it's a gigantic place for mixtapes. Yeah. You get a lot of mixtapes on there and it's, it's, a, it's a really, it's sort of free. It's like you, you put it up and, and the artist or whoever wants to put it up and people want to consume it and that's, it's just a way to share music. For sure. Uh, now, it's, it's, it's been it's been somewhat of a problem because you know people aren't getting paid any other royalties and now that we have I mean, I mean labels aren't getting paid well I'm, I'm just I'm, let me take the position of the label artists aren't getting paid <laughs> we we really want the artist to get paid we don't want to screw the artist therefore we want to make sure that this happens so right. basically what so what, so what uh, Warner Music Group and some others have come in and said and like we now want to uh, 
basically police everything that goes up and make sure that everything that goes up is <laughs> it, people are getting paid, getting royalties for. Yeah. Um, that, now, at the service, that sounds like a great idea. It's like, oh, man, artists need to get paid. And, man, you know, people's going up and their stuff's for free and they get paid. But it's really not about the artist, is it? You know, of course it's, not. It's about, it's about the labels. Of course. So, so this is, this is a lot of, there's a lot of debate around this. Um, and it's, people are saying this is going to ruin SoundCloud and this is a bad thing. And, um, there's an article we posted up uh, that, that we have that talks about to everyone from some artists and DJs and sort of t- giving their opinion. And for the most part, people aren't with it. What not, do you think? Not at all. I mean, I think this is definitely a story of old thinking versus new thinking. Old thinking being that you you go through the traditional ways of promoting, selling, recording a record through a record company. Right. And the new way of thinking is, is exactly what SoundCloud was in its inception. You make something, you throw it up, and people can go there. It's a hub for discoveries, a hub for you to promote your, your artistic whatever it is. Right. And so I, I think because it's so successful in the sense that an artist, an unknown artist in their home could be a known artist in a week through this portal, it, it threatens the, the old infrastructure. Yeah. And so they, they want, they want to be able to have their hands into it. So I think a few suits got into SoundCloud's front office, uh-huh. so to speak. Yep. And they want to be able to, yeah. you know, make as much money as they can. And I think that, um, I mean, you gotta think, I think there's a t- statistic that said that every minute there's, there's every, every minute or something, there's 13 hours worth of music being uploaded to SoundCloud. Yeah. So you gotta think how powerful that tool is for people. It's, it's, it's very scary for the quote unquote powers that be and the people. I mean, like, this is the, like you said, this is a long, this is that battle that's been going on ever since, uh, you know, you know, uh, 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 Sean Fanning and, uh, and, and Napster, ever, ever since you know we figured out how to download music yep. for free, and the art and, and, and labels not getting paid for that, this is the thing that sort of started the, the death of the CD and the death of the the, the record stores, yep. the Tower Records and the warehouses mm-hmm. and, the, and, the, and and all those things. And now um, it, it is something because I do believe that art. This is sort of art that people that um, it costs money to put these records out theoretically and, and to promote these records theoretically. theoretically. Um, and so people want to figure out how to get compensated for these. And But I think that it's really about coming up with a new model because really, you know, music is art. Mm-hmm. If you want your art to be seen, you make your art, you want people to see it, as many people to hear it and see it as possible. Yep. You put it out there and then if people want to You've got to figure out another way, another streams of revenue for, for sure. people to, pur- to purchase this stuff, yeah. whether it's shows exactly. or merchandise yeah. or added value at some other things. And that's what all these artists are doing. And right. I think that, I think the artists are, are pretty much okay with that. It's the, it's the, it's the industry that's, that's the not thing. okay with that. That's the thing. Like with SoundCloud, there's a lot of independent artists, a lot of unknown artists, a lot of unsigned artists. So of course, this is perfect for them, the perfect avenue for them. And a lot of these artists are using a lot of samples from yeah. signed artists or from legendary artists. And so yep. that's why the labels are trying to tax that. Like you can't use that sample. Right. You gotta pay for that and so i think that that's the problem because no one's going to pay soundcloud a subscription for soundcloud to listen to unsigned artists or unknown artists right. who's going to do that i'm not going to pay money for someone i don't even know yes and no one's going to pay a subscription to soundcloud cloud just so they can hear a mixtape that has a sample from you know uh from nina simone exactly you know uh, from 1975 you know no one no one's going to do that not at all so um i don't know it's sad, but it's back into that. It's the whole thing. It's really what we talked about. The internet is a place of, is a gigantic place, unwieldy place of free information, free ideas that it's so far ahead of the business curve and so far ahead of the legal curve that, you know, the legal, we see the legal curve trying to not lock it down and make it a, you know, one thing. We see net neutrality trying to come in and like control the internet. Now we see the record industry coming in and trying to control the internet. The internet is a beast that can't be controlled. <laughs> 
unwieldy beast. I can't do it. <laughs> there he goes. He showed up. Joe showed up. <laughs> no, uh, so we, we're against this. So uh, we'll. <laughs> Uh, so I don't know. Um, this is what question, but how, how do you think this is going to change the way uh, do the artists will find another way? Of will there be another SoundCloud? There will be, there will be some geek like you and me that will develop something new that will facilitate the needs of artists. Like right. artists aren't going to go for that. Like we're gonna we're gonna. I mean, that's how it, that's how we evolve. We're gonna right. figure out the, another way, another technique to be able to get our information out. In, in a way that's fluid and respect respectable to ourselves, sure. without the you know the, the grimy hands of you know the major labels or whatever. Right. Uh, one last question on this guy. Just do, do, what about the relationship between the major label and the artist? I mean, is it? I guess what I'm saying is that the, the the major label as we know it for 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 up and coming artists is becoming less and less of a of necessity. Oh, yeah. The major label is still needed, and, even, and you can make the argument that the major label is not even needed for the large artists, the Taylor yeah. Swifts and the Jay Zs and the U twos. They don't need a major label either. U twos no. went straight to Apple, like exactly. and here, whatever. They, so so I don't. So what 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 is the fate of the major label? Because there's no more independent label. Anymore. All these labels are part of larger groups, Warner Music Group or Universal Music Group. So, what, what, what do you, is there a place for the major label moving forward? I mean, I, I think the place the place is to protect their intellectual property. That's that's what this battle is about: intellectual that, property, the, the publishing from 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 2014 back down the day. Exactly, exactly. Just, you know, so, so everything from you know, uh, you know, Glenn Miller or whatever, <laughs> all the way up until now. You know, this exactly. is what they're trying to protect for sure because it's not about new stuff. Nah. Yeah, I mean, in, in publishing, I mean, clearly, pu- like we, you've already suggested, publishing and performance is where the money's at. It's not really yeah. in sales. So if someone is promoting their brand using someone else's intellectual property, no, I'm going to tax you for that. Yeah. you got to pay me for that. And that's what they're after. Yeah. And SoundCloud is the portal to be able to do all these mashups and all these collaborations for free. Yeah. And they want to put a stop to that. Yeah. And this is why you'll see, you know, uh, it's, it's why you see more and more of these festival type things. Cause, you know, for those artists who can't do a giant tour, if you can't do a giant, I mean, not everyone can do, you know, a multi city tour. You know, uh, well, not everyone can do a multi city tour like, uh, like, like, uh, uh, arena tour, like, you oh, know, well, 17,000 yeah, yeah. people. People can't do like a House of Blues yeah. 800 seater tour. Yeah. So if you're an artist and you want to, Coachella helps. The Coachellas of the world help those artists be able to come in there and do, you know, uh, 12 minutes or a half hour and then get paid to go do the festival circuit. And that's kind of, the, I think that's the way of the future. Absolutely. We'll be seeing more festivals as well. Absolutely. Um, interesting. Okay. Well, moving on. Um, we're going to talk about Interstellar later, but, 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 but the, the real life, uh, you know, space movement here. We something really amazing happened. I love this, uh, in Wired have their, 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 uh, the, the headline on Wired was, holy shit, we landed on a comet. <laughs> and I, I agree with that. I mean, the idea just intellectually, uh, we're going to land on a comet. <laughs> like, what? Like, I, that, that, I, I can't wrap my mind around that. The fact that we actually did that, uh, you know, shot a spacecraft into space, found the comet, identified it, zoomed towards it, um, you know, harpooned to it. You know, uh, you know, reeled it in and landed on it, and now is currently taking samples and then yeah. drilling down and stuff. That's that's crazy. That's right, man. That is super crazy to think that this comet, which is flying out in space some three hundred million miles away, that we have the, the 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 intelligence to be able to use math, science, physics to launch this this device into space. Yeah. Have it orbit around the sun at the same speed to match the same speed of the comet, and then land on it. Yeah, like that is huge. Yeah. That's that's like mind boggling. That's mind boggling. The timing, right. the timing exactly. is all you know. Like and and uh, and it worked. I mean, this is, you know, just, again a shout out to math and science, science and engineers because you know one one wrong calculation. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's over. <laughs> All that, you know, one wrong, like, ah, I forgot to, I forgot to carry the one or whatever. And that's why, that's why I'm they sure were, the they were high-fiving and shouting because it yeah. was like, like, almost like a, a feat that wasn't going to happen. So, and, and it was, it did feel like something out of an action movie. The whole idea of like, we're going to harpoon <laughs> to the comet and then like, yeah, I, I love it. So, uh, I, I, but it's also interesting. It's like, it, there, there's so many things that we're, we will be able to find about. Uh, I mean, about stars and comets themselves and the gases and, yeah. and, and, and liquids and everything else that we will see on this comet. It will help us maybe I mean, unlock the secrets to, you know, how, how planets are formed. Even. For sure. Like, that, I think that's the, that's the biggest takeaway that a lot of scientists theorize that comets kind of are or at the beginning of the solar system. And it, like you said, help form life on Earth or might even have the, the, the organic components to bring life to Earth. Right. Like, they don't, like, all that's still a mystery. So to be able to study something so um, intimately, like it might provide so much like research for us to understand ourselves yeah. as, as a race, as a as a as a as a, a species. Yeah, the species so, for sure. Yeah. yeah, it's really exciting stuff and really sort of like mind bending. Uh, I'm really interested to see what what comes back from the comet, you know, and uh, you know, <laughs> or like, uh, and then what, what kind of what kind of intel and and um, and, uh, and information has come back from that. So I don't know. That's interesting. Uh, speaking of all that stuff, uh, uh, you know, a little movie opened last week. You may, may have heard of it. Movie. <laughs> may have heard of it. It's called Interstellar. <laughs> uh, and, uh, God, uh, there's so much that we, I'm going to do a little segment where we should talk about Interstellar because there's so much to talk about. I want to talk about you know, the, 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 the movie itself and the reception of the movie. I want to talk about box office. I want to talk about all this stuff. I want to talk about Christopher Nolan and his, and his really, uh, his, his, his plea to sort of shoot this on film and then shoot this in IMAX and then also use a lot of practical effects and not a lot of digital effects when it comes to like these guys in the spacecraft. And I also want to talk about the science and sort of the backlash to all the science coming out of the woodwork. So this, this um, is my, this is my favorite segment of today. Yeah. Like, so, so let's start with you. Like you saw the film. I saw the film. And, and for those of you who have not seen the film, when you're listening, we are gonna. There, there will be some. I'm gonna give a spoiler alert right now because we're gonna talk about it. So, uh, so spoiler alert. You can fast forward uh, for you know for a while if you want don't want to hear about Interstellar. So, what did you think about Interstellar? Man, first of all, just from a, a, a movie going fan perspective, like it was just it was an awesome three hour movie. Yeah. Like to think that you're in the theater that long and, and I'm, I'm captivated. Like yep. I'm I'm invested. Like I think the acting was excellent. Yep. I think the storyline was great. Um, and, and just, just the visual, the visual aspect of it. I mean, I think that's, like, we are all interested in space because it's an unknown. It's, it's an unknown frontier. And so right. to be able to see, like, these scientific ideas being executed in such a cool way, yeah. like, I, I mean, it's just entertaining. And I, I think the way, the way it panned out, the, 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 the construction, the narrative of the story, it was, it was just interesting. Yeah. And, um, inspiring. Almost kind of like gravity, but like times three. Yeah. Like, so. Um, what about I, you? What was your take just as a moviegoer? As a moviegoer, I thought, I, I, you know, I was really, I was completely blown away. It, it was, it was, I did, I did feel the length, but I didn't mind the length. Because some people's like, oh, the three hours breezed by. Like, no, it felt like three hours, but I, 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 didn't, I didn't mind it, you know. I saw it at midnight in the, uh, actually in the dome at the Arclight Hollywood, Arclight Hollywood. I saw the 70 millimeter film print, uh, and it was, it was beautiful, it was spectacular, and it really, made the case for me about movies in general. Mm-hmm. There is something, you know, there's fundamentally something about being in a dark theater with, you know, 300 other people looking at a flickering image on a, on a, on a screen mm-hmm. that is, that is sort of magic, you know, Absolutely. A. And then B, about film itself, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, 120 images, you know, a second flickering on the screen, there's something that that does. These are actual photographs that yeah. you're looking at. Yeah. 120 photographs per second that, you know, the studies have said that, that that imprints in your brain different differently. For sure. You know, than looking at looking at a photograph, even if it's a, even if it's 120 photographs a second. Right. And so there's something really uh, magical, if you will, as they call it magical about, this is what Quentin Tarantino talks about mm-hmm. and even J.J. Abrams and obviously Christopher Nolan and, and, and Martin Scorsese and others. Like, there's something to be said about that. So I was really, that's the first thing I noticed yeah. that, like, my first take was like, movies! Yeah. You know, movies are real and they yeah. work. Um, as far as the film, you know, I, I, I loved it. I love the whole first, you know, the, the I like, I like the, um, I don't call it the old future, but the whole idea of that we're in the, the, the movies that like take you into the future, mm-hmm. but then the future feels like the past. It, it takes place on this farm and it's very grounded and sort of like, you know, non, very little technology yeah. at the beginning. And it feels very like, you know, well, you know, uh, this is middle America. Agrarian is, society, exactly. Americana type of, uh, imagery and yes. symbols. Yes. So simplistic life. Simplistic yeah. life. And then, uh, but then, uh, the first half when dealing with that and grounding it in that world. World and then taking it from there to be, be able to tell this family story about a father and daughter and a son and, and be able to ground in that world and then be able to instantly take it not out of that world and then expand the world that we think we know into something ridiculously. Uh, the fifth dimension. I mean, <laughs> uh, something that you can't even wrap your head around. Seriously. Was, was spectacular. Just yeah. as a, you know, just as that. Um, and then, and then, um. I like how you put that, like the microcosm to the macrocosm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it was really something, and then, and then uh, obviously, the, I think the acting was superb. I think, um, I, I, I mean, Anne Hathaway is the truth. I mean, her monologue about love in that movie is like just, just like the way she delivered it. It was yeah. like, you know, she's worth every, she's she's worth every penny, uh, you know. Uh, and McConaughey's solid, believable. Yeah. Uh, Michael Caine is solid. Uh, the, the the surprise astronaut, yeah. who who one of our favorite actors, who who we love, is Famous. solid, solid, <laughs> solid, solid, solid. Killer. killer every time. I said a thousand times. I believe that guy in everything he does. Everything. Like like school teacher, no problem. Super spy, okay. You know, <laughs> like uh, I'm an astronaut. All right, fine. You know, you're you know. So he's he's great. And the last thing I'll say about that is. Um, about just the, the the movie experience itself is that um, I really loved the fact that you know Christopher Nolan also chose to really lean heavily on not only just real film film and everything else but like practical effects like he really loved the idea he you know talking not talking to him I didn't talk to him but listening to interviews and reading stuff he really like loved them with the right stuff you know, sure. a lot and as you can you can see all the the right stuff influences are all over this movie Absolutely. in the beginning and everything else but one of the things they did in that movie because it's from 1983 there's a lot of like film projection stuff on the outside and so it, it, and, and they're in the capsule and it looks real and all this stuff and like there's no green screen and digital effects and da, 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 da. there's a lot of practical effects to, yeah. to accomplish that same thing with 2001 right. so Christopher Nolan's like well where's 2014 exactly. if they made that shit look so good in 83 why can't we do or it or Cuban made it look so good yeah. in 69 we could make it really good digital projectors yeah. we've got rigs and that's what they did if you really watch the movie again you notice that like there's not a lot of I mean well, aside from the obvious space stuff but For sure it's, 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 it's everything you see is real, and, and that, that gives it that gives the movie a certain grounding in reality. It's fantastic. So. One one additional note for me too, which I think I think in, in one article Christopher Nolan he spelled out like his, and it's with all a lot of his films like Inception or Memento or even like the, the Batman stuff. Like he uh-huh. uses a lot of dimensionality where he'll he'll combine like different time spaces or different different time elements with space elements like yeah. like how we like you kind of alluded to it, how you move out of um this kind of 
traditional society into this complex world or how you move from the past into the future right. and like how all th- these things are coexisting together like seamlessly i think that as a director as a storyteller that's amazing to be able to do that and have like people that don't have a firm understanding or grasp of science but get it they understand it like yeah. it's, it's almost like it's intuitive like how he told the story you can get these concepts almost intuitively like yeah. you, you kind of get what's going on right and i think that that's very sophisticated from a storytelling perspective it's very sophisticated and christopher nolan like he he says in you know he's obsessed with time he's really fascinating obsessed with time and you know memento is his first real his first large film really <clears throat> did a great job of really messing with time and really making you know, you know that was the first mind like oh oh and it's really messing with time and messing with screenplays and messing with everything else and obviously Inception and even even Insomnia to a certain degree and all these movies sort of really do a good thing of like making you think about um, what that means but this takes it to like a new level oh, for, for me sure. in terms of for sure. um you know, because we get into the we get into relativity and we get into all that stuff, which we'll talk about a little later, but in a second. But uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I did think it was interesting that some of the criticism because the movie was not it was almost a foregone conclusion that Christopher Nolan's going to drop Interstellar and it's going to be a hundred percent Rotten Tomatoes and win all the Oscars and everyone's going to go away and he's going to go right off in the sunset because of Christopher Nolan, but there. It, it, it's getting largely positive reviews, but the reviews are fairly mixed. I mean, it's a 74% of Rotten Tomatoes, which doesn't mean it's bad, but there are, there, the movie does have its detractors. And it's very interesting when you read these critics, um, the, some people are really into the first part, like are really into the, the family stuff in the, in the first part, and then hate all the space jargon stuff. Some people really hate all the family cornfield crap, and then just get to space already. Some people don't want to go back to like the, when they're cutting back and forth to what's going on on Earth versus what's happening, you know, there. You know, people don't like all those stuff. And those are all to me sort of personal choices, and I think that, to me, that speaks to Christopher Nolan's ability to, if you have people who love this really, I love this part, people who love this part, it's all in the same movie and all executed so well. Yeah, that's, 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 that's something that is, you know. That's, that's huge. That's huge to be able to, like you said, include all those elements. I mean, you can't please everybody. So nope. I think, but I mean, just to, the fusing of all those stories and, 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 and interpersonal relationships and all these like dynamics, like it's sophisticated. It's like so layered. It's right. so layered. And I think that that's why I appreciate it because it's not just like a straightforward narrative. Like it, it has some, it has symbolism. It has like, like a, a deep subtext to it. And right. I, I think that's, I, I look for art in all, in all spaces for sure. that. And so I, I think that's what resonates with me just as a, as a as a, a person that that experiences it, I think that, that's what makes high concept art, where you can look at it in, in many different dimensions, and that, that's what he provided in this movie. Yeah, I think so. <clears throat> well, and then one of the other major criticisms, of the, well, the other criticisms of the movie is, is the science, and I, I gotta I, I gotta tell you, I, I'm I'm fatigue isn't a word. I'm I'm really 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 getting sick and tired of. <laughs> Of people criticizing the science of movie, like this has become a thing now. Like you that's know, good because the inter- no, because of the internet, people. Well, we'll talk about this. Okay. But I don't want it. It's a, it's a film. Look, I, look. Let me let me just lay this out. Christopher Nolan, you know, uh, and and Michael Mann's this way too. They're very technical directors, right? One of the one of the criticisms with Christopher Nolan is he's so technical and so everything. He doesn't have as much soul. Maybe he's mm. not as good with actors. Maybe he's not as good as emotion and the, the, some of the emotional stuff with the daughter. People think ah, it doesn't really play right because Christopher Nolan does not do emotion. He's all technical. I, okay, whatever. I don't. I don't agree, but I, I get that criticism. Same thing with Michael Mann gets a lot of that. Cause Michael Mann's so technical; his movies are just perfect. So I get all that. 
the issue I'm having is so because he's Christopher Nolan, when he introduces these concepts, like in, in like like it's one thing to do it in Inception when you're talking about dreams because of the science of dreams or there's no real science on dreams. Of so this is sort of his interpretation. So, that, sure. so that's one thing. When you're talking about uh, going into space, you talk about black holes and wormholes mm-hmm. and relativity mm-hmm. and time space continuum and going all back all the things. There's there's years and years worth of science started with Einstein and, and, mm-hmm. and before that's been done on this. And there's there are a ton of astrophysicists, you know, from Neil deGrasse Tyson and others who to Stephen Hawking's who has made their life's work for sure. studying this. So sure. when you present this in a film, people are going to come out with the, the, the woodworking question of science. The problem I have with this, I'm almost done with my rant, is <laughs> people, it's a movie. Right. It's not a documentary. Right. This isn't this isn't a Discovery Channel. For sure. I walked in, I paid my money to see a film. For sure. I don't need Neil deGrasse Tyson popping out being like, well, the science is wrong. <laughs> like, I don't, I, you know what, you're an astrophysicist, thank you. I've heard from more astrophysicists than I ever need to hear. I thought that gravity was Bad. Every time I turn on the internet, every time I fire up my computer, there's another astrophysicist telling me about the science of freaking interstellar. I don't give a f. I don't give a I, the movie. I was entertained. I completely agree with. I don't that. want to hear. Tell from, us I don't, how you really feel. I don't want to hear Jeez. from another astrophysicist about like yeah, this. Don't, don't hold back, Joe. <laughs> and I'm so, they're really they're really upset about this whole thing. And I, and I, and I, so I, so no, just, it's killing me. I don't want to hear from another astrophysicist telling me the science is wrong. Therefore, the movie's a failure. How about I love the movie? No one's talking about the science of Star Wars. Oh, that would never happen. Explosions. You can't build a Death Star in space. That's the point. That's, no one's doing that's that. That's the point, though, that this movie is so good that it, it, it provides an avenue for this dialogue. And, and, it, and it introduces people, kids, us, to, to space, to science, to want to be mathematicians and scientists. That's, it, it provides that discussion. Sure. It, alleviate, it elevates these, these, uh, these topics so that the common person, the layman, can get a, a, a ground floor understanding of it. And that's why I appreciate the critique. Because it made it, like, that's the first thing I did when I watched the movie. What is the science all about? I want to sure. learn more about that. Great. That's, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. And, I, and, I, and you should be at winning on the science. And, and there should be a place in, 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 in being able to have a discussion about the science. Um, there was a, there was a screening over at the ArcLight the other day with what with, with Griffith Park did, and they had a whole bunch of scientists there for a Q&A afterwards and reception. I love all that. But get it out of my movie review. You know what? It's a fantastic movie. I give it four stars, but I only give it two stars because the science was wrong. Like, what the F are you talking about? Yeah, that, I mean, I, I get that point. I get that point. I mean, you know, Poltergeist, the science is wrong on ghosts. Like, Alex Papademus uh, from, from Grantland, I, who, I, who I love, wrote this too. He's, he's like, you know, uh, one of my favorite movies, Event Horizon, is a very similar movie that deals with a black hole. It's, mm-hmm. But it's a, it's, it's, it's a scary movie. Mm-hmm. And they go into a, a, black, a, a, no, a black hole and it comes out. And at the end of that black hole, it's basically hell. Mm-hmm. And what comes out of there is this crazy evil, mm-hmm. and it's this great movie about like you know it turns into like a, a very you know, horror a horror movie essentially about space and what's in that black hole. Mm-hmm. Where's Neil deGrasse Tyson? Hell isn't in the black hole. That doesn't make any sense. Like get out of here. See, I, I get I get why there's criticism because it was communicated. The movie expressed like like scientific concepts that were almost true to form. Yeah. So to be able to to be able and that, to me I don't know of another movie that has done it so precise. Right. I don't, I don't well, know. Well that, that's 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 why that's why I prefaced it with like Christopher Nolan gets extra critique because he's such a technical director, he's so precise and he prides himself and like I'm getting it right. For sure. You know, so people and the same with uh, you know Michael Mann. So when you when you position yourself that way, people are gonna be like, you didn't get it right, mother effer. You know? <laughs> so I don't know, go ahead. That's I mean so I, I think in a way like 
by him providing that for us. Well, again, I'm saying the same thing. It, it, it just creates a, a dialogue chamber for us to, to 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 understand what we saw in the movie. Some of it, some of it, obviously, he took liberties in, in maybe stretching what's scientifically possible or proven or theorized. Like he took liberties with that. But I think to have the the follow up or the or the the, the backstory of it, I think it gives us a, a more of an appreciation for what he did do. Right. To me, it elevates the film even more. Sure. So, but I get what you're saying. Like it is a film. Like you, you don't go there to learn necessarily or right. to get facts like you, you go to be entertained and right. to enjoy and to escape so I get that um, uh, Alexis I know you saw the film too did you w- w- uh, w- uh, did you like it first of all did you I like did it? I okay. did I'm gonna go see it in IMAX probably this weekend because I didn't what, I haven't seen it in IMAX what, yet. what, what format did you see it in uh, uh, did you see it, di- it was, digital or wait, where did you see it digital where did you see it uh Pacific Theaters in the Valley. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah. I'm going. I'm going to the ArcLight. Okay. Good. And uh, see it in the dome. See it in the 70 yeah. millimeter or 35. Yeah. That's that's the plan. Okay. Um, I like the film a lot. It was the ending was kind of confusing for me. Uh-huh. I know a lot of. I read a lot of reviews too, and they were kind of on the same boat. Sure. So I'm hoping. I saw it by myself, so I'm hoping to see it with like friends and discuss about it later. Okay. Uh, but I, I was at that point where I was watching it, and every time. Just being blown away by just yeah the fact that it reminded me of like 2001 like Space Odyssey like that's where I was coming from watching it going uh, the practical effects and everything and I kind of every time that they were in space I kind of had to like hold my breath kind of because it was yeah. so it's, 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 it, it was intense and it was a really it created a real sense of like dread and fear because it's such an unknown as exactly. to what's happening. I mean, he, he sets up tension very well. Man, yeah. the, the tension created on the planet, the fact that we're on this planet and every hour is seven years back, yeah. home, back home. Yeah, that threw, that threw me for a loop. But it's like, really, it, it really it. makes you scared. Like, oh my God, and the stakes are so high because yeah. his daughter, he's trying to give it to his daughter. See, I think he did a good job of establishing his love for his daughter to yeah. make you feel yeah. that. Because if, if, if people criticize, like you said, the relationships or with the yeah, family, yeah. the family connections. Or I think he, he set it up so well. Well, that you understood that Matthew's character really loved his daughter, and, and yeah. vice versa. And so when when that when that fact came out, like you were like, man, that that kind of hit us. Like, yeah, oh, that's that he's got to get back. And uh, you know, <clears throat> I haven't felt this. I mean, I, I was saying this before, and it's really dates me. But I just remember like the feeling, actually sitting in the theater and feeling that actual stressed out sort of dread. I, I really, I haven't really felt like that in that way since. Empire Strikes Back yeah. in 1980. Nice. Being in the theater as a, I'm dating myself, as a nine-year-old kid, like, watching Empire Strikes Back, and then when, you know, watching Luke's hand get cut off, and him, like, hanging on the, at the edge of the, of, the, of the Cloud City, and I'm like, wait a minute, this movie's almost over. Like, what's gonna happen? You know, and then Vader's like, I'm your father. I'm like, what? No! Credits. And I was like, <laughs> What? I'm nine, right? But uh, <laughs> I felt, but what I felt in those the the, the the last like 15 minutes of Empire Strikes Back, like really freaked me out. It really just made me like, or in some moments of Raiders of the Lost Ark, we were actually feeling stressed and dread. Like I felt that in this movie. Like yeah. even just something as you know mundane as like them trying to dock, like that maneuver of them, like yeah. you know, just oh, yeah, the, that the, got me. The, yeah, the, the execution of like them getting that rotation right, and on paper it's like we have to rotate in a certain way and we have to dock. <laughs> it's like you read that in the script, like okay, the execution of that. Then you, you realize you're watching, you know, a fake, uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway essentially lean to the left and move <clears> a stick. 
you know, and a fake screen rotating in the background. Man, that, that's a huge point. Something so simplistic. You're immersed then. You're immersed. Yeah. I was like, what's going to happen? Yeah. Are they going to dock? I was literally yeah. sitting at the edge of my seat holding my hands, like, in my face going, what is going to happen? Yeah. Like, and then knowing the clock is ticking. Like, are yeah. they going to get back? Are they going to get back to, mm-hmm. to Earth? And what's going to happen to, like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what is going to happen mm-hmm. here? That's why I've always liked Nolan's films. They just, they, it's not the fact of, yes, you're going there to be entertained, but he also makes you think just like, um, all, like, yeah, Memento was a big one for me. That's how I, I, I jumped on his bandwagon. Um, and the fact that even with uh, Inception, like, you're just sitting there, like, with the, you know, again, spoiler, if you haven't seen it, like, the top at the very end, like, you're sitting yeah. there going, fall over. Yeah. Fall mm-hmm. over. So it's the yeah. same thing. And I think that he always does that really well. And I've read, yeah, I've, I'm on, I've been on the same boat where I've seen reviews of, like, oh, the family, you know, we didn't see much about, you know, the, the family connections. And I was like, and I get that. And then some people are like, oh, it took too long to get to the, you know, to the space scenes. And I was like, okay, I get that. Let's see you read a movie. Man, yeah. I get mad. I yeah, get mad that's so exactly mad. what I think of. I mean, I wasn't as angry as you were, but I mean, I also, I also. Get I'm not it. angry. <laughs> Be angry. <laughs> you, see, you threw your papers in the air. All right. Jeez, I, think, I, think, I agree. You know, just to just to add to that, like the writing aspect of it, the Nolan brothers, man, they're they're, they're, they're killers. Good, yeah. yeah, they're killers. They can write. I, I didn't know that uh, his brother um, produced or, or, or writes for Person of Interest. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they, 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 he's a killer. And then, but it's also it's it's really at one point this was going to be directed by Steven Spielberg, right? right? And so at one point, um, I don't think I would have liked it as much. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, that's, I but, but I first of all, sacrilege on your part. No, I, okay, Spielberg, one of my favorite directors. He's on my top five, but at the same time, I don't know if it would give me that same effect. I mean, well, it's it's uh, interesting you say that because you, you can actually see the seams a little bit because that first that whole that the, the whole you know the the wonder that whole first part part of the mm-hmm. most first third of the movie, which is the cornfields yeah. and the family, and the, that's very Spielbergian. Yeah. For sure. And I think that like and, and the, what's, I forget Christopher Nolan's brother, but like uh, he said Nolan the Nolan brothers said that that was written for with Spielberg in mind. For sure. Yeah. And so and so and, and if not it was it was definitely like the sort of homage. You see that in a lot of JJ Abrams work. Yeah. You know? yeah, like, actually his brother, like you said, wrote wrote the script for Spielberg and then then he passed it to Chris. Yeah. And, and then, then Chris he had, put his funk on exactly, it at the end. You exactly. Know? So like the first half does feel Spielberg. Mm-hmm. But then once they leave space, it's like it's very much a Christopher Nolan take on that. For sure. Which is which is which you see and you know what? I'll take it. They, they, you know, right. Spielberg and Nolan. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, I, I love it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I really like it. You know, reviews box office wise, it, it, it lost to uh, initially the opening weekend to uh, Big Hero Six, another fantastic movie, but uh, which was a bit of a surprise. But um, I think it was just the time. A lot of people, I was asking a lot of people about it, and I think they were saying that it was mostly just the time, the the length of the movie three was hours, really long. Yeah. I mean, because uh, Big Hero Six is only like an hour and a half. It's like eighty minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a typical kids film, but yeah. I I also liked it because it it wasn't. Also very typical. It's actually kind of dark a little bit. Yeah, uh, I loved it. I love. I love we'll talk about that. Well, mm-hmm. you know, we'll talk about that. But that, yeah, I loved it. Um, but yeah, so o- overall, I just think that the one thing I, I realized uh, watching this too, the last thing is as a creative, it's just one of those moments where it is a really sobering moment for me where I realize as a creative, like I will, I don't know that I can ever execute on this level. Now, I don't. No, I know. I know. You know. You hate to hear me hear people say that. I'm just saying, when I look at that, I'm like, but it's, but you got to think, it's just not him. No, I know. No, I'm, 50, 50 well, people. I'm not saying I'm, I'm going to go back tomorrow and do my Interstellar. Let's go, Keely. <laughs> Let's go do our Interstellar at the crib right now. <laughs> no, no, but what I'm saying is, I'm talking about just as an entire piece of work. Everything, like, 
from everything that encompassed and how that made me feel as a, as a piece of art, as a, as a creative piece, it basically made me feel like I like I play basketball, but while you're watching Michael Jordan, there's a feeling you feel like, okay, I'm never going to execute on that level, you know. And I, and I, even as even as an aspiring young player as a kid, I was like, when you think like I want to be Michael Jordan, which which I want to be Dominic Wilkins, but that's separate. But I want to be Michael Jordan. Let me tell you, son. Uh-oh. All you got to do Uh-oh. is go through a black hole. And you could be the younger Joe. <laughs> that's right. Start all over. That's right. I'll do that. But uh, but no, looking at, I was like, God, man. Christopher Nolan, man. It's so funny because I'm on the I'm on the opposite <laughs> spectrum of that. Oh. Like when I see like a film that that, that at that grand of a scale, it inspires me to to work harder to what Absolutely. I want to do, and and then eventually, hopefully, I can see like, hey, I created that. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying this. This is absolutely as inspirational as anything I've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's something else that we'll talk about later that's equally as inspirational to me as creative, but like uh, super inspirational. But it's just definitely it, it really uh, you know the guy, I, particularly because Christopher Nolan and I are the same age, and it's like he's you know he's he's executing at a high level. So super I love it. Level. I love I love the film. So yeah. we we we. we that uh so let's move on to something that um that that's broken the internet a little bit it's something called too many cooks uh now oh boy oof oh well i don't want to hear from you yet because you, you're actually too young to appreciate to appreciate what 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 this is sort of like my mocking. Mic here. all right so uh for those of you who don't know uh too many cooks is Something that appeared on comedy, you know, on, on Comedy Central's Adult Swim. Now we know Adult Swim has their has their normal block, which is around midnight, eleven to one, and it has this sort of, you know, very it mines a very specific part of Generation X pop culture, and sort of, sort of lives there and does mm-hmm. that a lot, and does it very well, and sits there for that, and also talks to some millennials as well, with some really cool millennial humor. Mm-hmm. But then they have this other spot that they do, which is like around somewhere between like three and five in the morning, which. They it, it doesn't say anything on the on the uh, on the cable. It just says paid programming. Mm-hmm. They put like really weird stuff on. <laughs> like you think those stuff is weird? Okay, they put the really weird stuff for the morning. And it's only for the stoners who wake up at four in the morning. And are like, what is this? <laughs> you know. So one of the things they put on is something called Too Many Cooks, which is this eleven minute. No, no, it's going to be 11. It feels like, uh, it feels, it starts off like the, like the beginning of an 80s sitcom, a exactly. spot on, you know, 80s sitcom intro. And then it just goes on and on to something really more and more bizarre and interesting and, and absurdist <laughs> and funny. And it's this really absurdist That's humor. It. That's it. Uh, and it's really weird and scary, well executed. And so it's gone viral and it's, it's about 2.5 million hits on YouTube now. In a week. In a week. Yeah. And it has completely broken the internet with like tons and tons of discussion. Like, who did it? Who's the guy? Right. How they do it? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And it's all too many cooks. There's, there's reviews. There's after shows of too many cooks breaking it down. Like, you know, I. It, Man, not just that. There's Twitter handles. Twi- yeah, of all the individual characters. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's, it's, it's the internet at its best and worst. So the first thing I want to say to this is, I saw it and loved it and freaked out. Cause I, cause I'm, I'm, this is right in my wheelhouse. I'm a, I'm a Generation <laughs> X child of the eighties. I saw it. I laughed. I didn't freak out. <laughs> I freaked out. I was like, oh, it really it scared me and it made me laugh and it made me uncomfortable. And, it, <laughs> and then I thought it was interesting and funny, but I, the, the, the concept of waking up at four in the morning, being oh, yeah, up yeah. at four in the morning and just Having that on your flipping to the TV and seeing that yeah, and then watching it, like it bug you out. What is this? Yeah. Because there was no like this is a parody or that. like seeing it on the internet doesn't have the same effect. Like watching it on YouTube is just flipping on your TV and having it be on, yeah, and then course. being like, and then there's no explanation. I agree with that. Like, del- what did I just see? The delivery method. <laughs> the delivery method for me. If I saw it at that time. On my TV, and it was just random. I probably have a different reaction versus me. Okay, learning about the story, yeah, and then watching it on YouTube. But I mean, my take. I mean, it was funny. Like it, it was completely ridiculous. Um, 
But to me, it's like whatever. Well, look, but this this is what I want to talk. about. What I want to talk about is not the execution of the thing itself. But right. I want to talk about the internet, the effect of the internet, for sure, for sure. And, and how and how people because how how most people are consuming this now is they're reading a bunch, they're reading a bunch how of either, yeah, yeah. either reading a bunch of think pieces about it, yeah. which is a, a think piece on freaking too many cooks is already like makes me shoot myself in the face. The internet, but like reading all these think pieces or all these interviews or twitters, whatever, <laughs> and then going, what is this? And then going back and checking it out, being like, what's the big deal? It's stupid. Like that's not how it's supposed to be consumed. For sure. You have this effect with movies too where people yeah. are like, you know, the twist is so crazy, so twisty, twist, twist. Go see it. And you watch the movie like, where's the twist? Yeah, because they know. set they set the expectation so high that when you see it, it's like, oh, this is this is what everyone's shouting about? Right. I mean, so I get that, but I mean, if I if I if I looked at it objectively, which I tried to do, right. like I mean it was funny. I might even say it wasn't funny. It was very entertaining. And I, I tried to imagine if I was watching it exactly how, how they programmed it the to delivery be. method but it makes it so great for it me. Is so ridiculous it's just like come on like, but you don't like <laughs> absurd to see I like do you I, mean, I, I, do, I okay. do I do <laughs> smart shooting rainbows out of his hand alright so what was your takeaway from, from UE 11 minutes huh? absolutely nothing what did you take away from it I, I, I took away a smile <laughs> has no calories it has no protein no, it, was a, it, was, it was cotton it was internet cotton candy <laughs> ate it and just evaporated in my brain but I, but I love it it makes me smile uh, I, 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 did, I just I just I went to ask i hate to ask as as a as a uber millennial uh what did you think of this alexis <laughs> an uber millennial i mean jeez um it's an, an old guy talking yeah obviously <laughs> just kidding um no it was more along the lines of, i'll take it <laughs> no i'll take it i'll take it um it was more along the lines of i was in like what akili said it was like oh look at this this is so funny you gotta love it oh my god and i was like okay fine i'll watch it and i, I got two minutes in and i was just like what <laughs> Am I watching? I'm not even on drugs, and I don't even like this. Like, I don't know. I I tried to watch the whole 11 minutes. I kept stopping at like three, four, five minutes in, and I was like, I can't do it. I'm, yeah, I'm I like can't. you. I'm like you. I started watching. I got to the six minute. I'm like, I don't want to watch this anymore. But I'm like, I invested six minutes. I might as well go all the way. Yeah. I'm proud of you because I I can't I can't do it. I but tried so hard. There is something to be said about. And I agree. There is something to be said about just experiencing the way. And kudos to to the the execution of of the way he conceived it and the way he put it on. The way it's perfect for that time. Like literally, again, flipping through the channels at four in the morning and this is on with no explanation. It's like it's it's just really really brilliant. Yeah. Uh, and and it's it's just it's just like how I don't want to see Interstellar on my phone or on for my sure. laptop. Like, you I don't, don't want to see, see too many cooks after reading a thousand think pieces on Slate and Grantland and then, and then go into this and being like, oh, what's the big deal? You know? For sure. Uh, but anyway, that's, that's that. So that's that. Uh, another thing that's also breaking the internet is Taylor Swift. Man. Her album, 1989. And, I, you know, we, I, I, I don't want to talk so much about the album itself, but I can't. I, the album is, I think the album's solid. I mm-hmm. like the album. I think the album's very good. It's a very, very good pop record. It's, I think there's like, probably like seven, like, like singles on that seven like like hits on that album and it's all poppy catchy I think I think it's just produced with an inch of its life I think her execution's great whether or not it's my kind of music or not I, but but I, I will say I enjoy it um you know as a as a as a you know forty year old man you know that? I don't know I just smooth, smooth uh, glass there you <laughs> <go>. <laughs> um, but I, I I loved it I do like it but but what's more interesting about it is all the internet chatter about about liking it. About, you know, sort of like, I hate to admit it, but I love this, you know, Saturday Night Live did a, did a bit about, you know, uh, liking Taylor Swift. There's all the conversation is more about, 
uh, you're not, it's just so trendy to be like, yeah, I like the Taylor Swift album, or the Taylor Swift album is actually good. Mm. Uh, it's really- I, I have a different takeaway. Go ahead. Uh, it has nothing to do with her artistry, it has to do with her business acumen as mm. a, as a person that's able to connect with her fans. She yep. does it in a way that's unlike any other artist that I know of. Sure. Like she's hands on, intimate. Yep. Like she'll, she'll drop a comment to a random fan. Yeah. Or she'll do, oh. do some random giveaway or yeah. show Ke- up Kevin somewhere. Hart does a different medium, but Kevin, you know. But at this level, like, yeah. She, I mean, she has what is her hashtag called? Taylorking, Taylorlurking, uh-huh. or whatever uh-huh. hashtag Taylorking. That's right. crazy. Like, I'm just gonna be on your Instagram, right. a random fan, and here you go. Yeah, that's I'm, tight. So when you tweet at her, what do you say? I say, <laughs> <laughs> I say, my friend is a little old, <laughs> but he would love to have a, a yes. private concert. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> no, I mean, no, it, I, I agree. It's, it's, but so, and, and then also the, it does feel like. A construction to deconstruct this. It does feel like a uh, very much a construction. Like it does. I mean, look, she's from the Nashville school. She's from mm-hmm. Nashville. Nashville is all about you know uh, taking the artist over here, mm-hmm. taking the the songwriting duo here, and then the producer here, and then and, and it's a factory. That's 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 the, that's the way Nashville works. Nashville doesn't work as Nashville's not a singer songwriter town. Mm-hmm. It's not a auteur. It's not a, you know not a, not a you know Prince couldn't be thriving Nashville. It's like. It's it's this machine, mm-hmm. and so she comes from that world, and she's a very good singer, and, and she writes a little bit, but she has all these writers and producers. She's taken that same th- that same thing and applied it to making the perfect pop record, and also graduating out of this whole like bubblegum Taylor Swift, all shucks, you know, you know, licking a lollipop, you know, uh, skipping through the fields. I think that's what normal. Taylor Swift I think are that's, you listening that's, to? That's, <laughs> that, that's the old Taylor Swift that, I know. That's a normal evolution to me for an artist to be able to make those leaps and bounds, and she does it seamlessly. But again, I, I stress the point: like, there's she's the only artist in. 2014 to go platinum, not just because of her music, yeah. it's because of her social by media a presence. lot, but yes. by a lot. It was like her album, her album like sold a million copies, and then uh, the next album sold like 120,000. It was Man, like so ridiculous, crazy. like drop off. See the point, it's not it's like number two sold 120, number not, one sold a million. It's not just because of her music, right. it's because of her, she's a celebrity status and her accessibility, the intimacy, intimacy she builds with her fans. Like, it's unlike no other. I, 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 I studied this, this topic, like, yeah. I can't find anyone that's this, this, like. Integrated with her fans. Kendrick Lamar. No, so no, not anymore. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, okay, I, that's, that's interesting. I, that's interesting pros because she's, she's definitely connecting on the level in this in this climate in this day and age. You know, and think about it. Like there was there was there was a write up huh? about oh. about fans that I guess her album obviously was was downloaded before it was released, and yep. the fans were like, "We're not going to download it. We're not going to listen to it because we're that diehard." Yeah, and they created like a kind of like a, a a message board telling right. other people not to download the album. Don't do this to our Taylor. She has an army, dude. We're going to wait until she releases it to us officially. Hey, man. Good hey. for her. She's killing the game, man. She's killing the game. I mean, you know, look. World tours. The haters going to hate, hate, hate. Writes hate, our own hate. songs. <laughs> oh, like, my word. Almost 30, what you, 30 times platinum. Yeah, I'm not mad at like, it at all. I'm not, I'm not mad. I love the album. What do you think of, what do you think of uh, this album, um, Alexis? Um, I personally have only listened to a little bit of it. I haven't okay. finished it all the way through. I usually am not. A Taylor Swift fan. Okay. Um, I'm not going to say that I ever hated her because I do agree with Achille. I think that her her love for her fans is huge, and I've always I've liked her as a person. Her her social her social life's a little sketchy for me. Oh yeah. But sure. I mean that's where she gets her material to write, and it's always been on point. But at the same time, like I can't I can't be like 
woo, Taylor Swift. Like, I can't. Yeah. I can't do it. I don't know. It's not part of, like, my genre of music, but I, I respect her as an artist because she works really freaking hard. I, I respect. I, I just respect her, again, her business acumen, because in, in this landscape where it's very difficult to sell records, like, I mean, she pulled out of Spotify. Like, she's mm-hmm. a she's a, a enterprise, a brand unto herself. She doesn't need she doesn't need a, a digital service to, to promote or sell her music. She she has that much power that she can do that, and it just shows, like, how she's built that over years by, by being loyal to her loyalist mm-hmm. and i think like most celebrities are in the cut most celebrities you know have someone handling their social media for them like she's actually doing it herself yeah like you don't find so many people artists that are doing it at that level and consistent and i think that's why people respect her and love her and um i i take that note to to, to like other marketeers that want to promote their product or whatever like i think that's how you have to be to really be successful with whatever you're you're promoting you have to be hands-on and that she's a prime example of that yeah i completely agree yeah well uh, you know um i'm not you know uh i'm not mad at her all you can't be we, we know that already <laughs> <laughs> i love her all right so move on the, the, who i really love when i'm really freaked out about as much as i'm excited about interstellar i'm equally excited about uh foo fighters new project sonic highways um the the tv show the 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 docuseries and the album and sort of the blend the, the ambitious sort of project of blending mm-hmm. them both um, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, Sonic Highways is two things. It's their new album, Foo Fighters' new album. It's their 20, there's 20 years of being, of Foo Fighters being the Foo Fighters. Their 20th anniversary. For the 20th anniversary, they decided to do something new. They wanted to record an album in which they visited all the cities that, that inspired them, that, that have personal connections to these cities, personally and musically. And then, uh, and then talk to the people who they, who inspire them and then find a historic place within these places to write and then record an album within that same week. A song. A, I'm sorry, not yeah. a song. And then they go to the next town and then they get inspired and then they record, write and record a song. Mm-hmm. They go to the next town and then they write and record a song. And then they do it with Brilliant. Butch, they do it with Butch Vig, the longtime producer who's a great producer. Uh, well, he's, he's, he's a legendary producer. He's fantastic. And, um, what comes out of this is and so, and, and while they're doing this, they also decided that we're going to document this. You know, you know, Dave Grohl did this, did, did this, directed the Sound City documentary, which is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a, another documentary on them on the making of their last album, which is great, which our friend Tim Calandrello edited. Uh, and they, instead of making this into a documentary because there's so much material, mm-hmm. he decided to make it into a docu series, a multi part docu series, and did it for HBO. For sure. So what you have now is each city is an episode. Mm-hmm. You know, so they go to you know Seattle and they'll they'll do they'll go they'll go there and then and while they're in Seattle they'll record a song and mm-hmm. then then release that song. And when 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 the uh, when the when the show airs, the show mm-hmm. airs every Friday. So every Friday we get a new track. Right. And then once it's all said and done, we'll have the whole album. Yeah. And it well, is well, the album's already out. Well, that well, I mean that that was right. conceived, but now right. it's out. But when it first started, it was like the it was that right. the, the album's out out. But I, but, be, but prior to the release of the album, the show was airing. They were giving us the releasing <laughs> they're releasing pieces of songs for sure. So, uh, I I am a huge Foo Fighters guy. I'm a huge fan of the, of the band. I'm a huge fan of Dave Grohl. Um, this project's amazing. For a lot of reasons is because they're, the Foo Fighters are a very, very specific rock band that comes from a very specific, very specific, they do a very specific thing. They do like big, big giant chords, uh, you know, harmonies, melodies, uh, somewhere between Nirvana and some other stuff. And they have punk rock backgrounds and more rock backgrounds. But, um, and what they do is very specific and very great. But 
what they show in this in Sonic Highways is their inspirations come from they, they, all of music. When you come, when you talk about when, when they go to talk about a city, they go and they talk about they talk to everybody. They talk to Buddy Guy. Mm-hmm. They talk. They talk to every the black folks, white folks. Every, everybody that makes the fabric of that or, of that town organically, naturally, because in rock and roll, you know, is, is clearly has, has influences from all these other genres. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I see that as a, as a as a as a ode, as a as a sign of respect. Absolutely. You know so that's why I like it. Like that's dope that you can. You're 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 rewarding your predecessors. You're, right. You're acknowledging your predecessor, and I think that's dope. And you're also teaching the, the younger generation. You're teaching. You know what I'm saying? Like where this music, how the how where this music come from, comes from, how it's evolved. Right. Why I'm the artist I am today. My influences. That's dope. Well, what I love about it is I, you know, I'm a music guy and I'm old and I, I know a lot about music and I know a lot about the Foo Fighters and watching these. I, I learned so much about music about these regionally. Like, right. oh right. wow, right. I didn't know that. Like, there's so much. I every every episode, I'm like, oh. So they're doing a deep dive. They're doing a deep dive. Like, like when they go to Chicago, they're doing a deep dive. They'll, they'll deep dive on Buddy Guy. They'll talk to Buddy Guy. Right, like, right. oh, you know, back in Stax Records, blah, 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 blah. And Chuck Berry said this. And da, 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 da. And then they'll talk to some crazy punk rock, you know, punk rock kid. When they're in Washington, D.C., mm-hmm. they're talking about the punk scene in Washington, D.C. They're talking to Bad Brains and, and you know, and all these folks from, from a minor threat and all these people from D.C. deep in the punk scene. And then they'll talk to... The DC Go Go movement. They're talking to Trouble Funk, and they're talking right. to you know to all these folks who are like Go Go. It's, it's Dave funny. Grohl talking you know, at a Go Go show. Like you know, it's crazy. It's and then they'll take all of that, everything they've learned, and they go into some usually historic studio, and, and they'll a write a song yeah. and record it. Yeah. Same thing with Nashville. Mm-hmm. They would deep dive Nashville with Dolly Parton and Zach Brown. New Orleans episode come out yet? No. Okay. So far they've done. They did Chicago first, then they did DC, and Pharrell was in DC, Virginia, and everybody was in DC. Then they did uh, Nashville, which was which was one of my favorite episodes, which was great because uh, I learned so much about Nashville and the culture of Nashville. For sure. And uh, and Zach Brown, and I, I came out of there like a Zach Brown fan. I came out of there like you know I, I Spotified like ten albums off of you know off of this off of this episode of, of this series, hmm. and then they did an Austin, and then tonight is Los Angeles. Gotcha. Um, and uh, and I'm from LA, so I'll be interested to know what I what I learn here. But just the one thing I'll say about it is, you know, obviously all the songs I love that I've heard so far, uh, all the songs feature you know an artist from that area area the era area. Uh, Austin features uh, Gary Clark and you know Cheap Trick, the, the guitar player from Cheap Tricks in Chicago. Uh, you know um, Zach Brown is in Nashville, so mm-hmm. it's really cool the way they incorporate these artists as well. Um, but the music's fantastic. The idea is fantastic creatively. Of execution, directed by Dave Gold, is spot on, and the educational value. So, as a whole project, yeah. like as a, as a, as, a, as a piece of work and art for the 20th anniversary, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's Grammys, Indies, Peabodies. Give I, it all up. I, I agree with that. In terms of it's my rant, go in, ahead. In terms of the in, entire body of work, what they're doing, how they're executing it, the strategies that involved in it, I think it's 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 high concept. However, I've I've, I've read a lot of reviews of just about the album, the music itself, uh-huh. and comparatively speaking to other to previous Foo Fighter albums, sure. it's not as good. Maybe and maybe because they're doing stuff that's not normally a Foo Fighter song sound, um, but I still respect like them incorporating different forms of media in, in, in this in this day and age, this landscape, to be able to sell records and educate, like you said, educate um, younger generation old, and, and then 
congratulate reward the older generation. I think I think the fusing of all those things is cool. Like even the artwork, like it's a, it's a mashup of all the cities. You yeah. have eight eight songs, eight uh-huh. episodes. Like eight is a number for infinity. Like right. there's so many, there's like so many layers to it. You know what I'm saying? It's dope. It's very well executed. The last thing I'll say about this is I agree. I agree like the song. I love the songs, but the reason why I love the song so much is I, I love I love almost everything the Foo Fighters do. But I'm invested because I watch them go through the whole episode, then I watch them incorporate you know you know elements of when they they show Dave go writing the song. It's and they show them actually recording it and what they're thinking about. And so, so when the, the song whole process. Whole process. Yeah. So when the song when the song is executed and executed in, in a sort of almost a music video, they shoot it very cool at the end. It's like it, it's very satisfying. For sure. So even if the song sucks, which it normally doesn't, it's very satisfying. Now if I just listen to the record not knowing anything, I mean I, I mean I have the same effect. But that's a huge point because like when you see when you see the you see the, the the groundwork that an artist does. And right, it gives you more of an appreciation for the for the product because the process is always more important than the product. Right, and and that's that's cool that they're documenting that, giving you historical context, and then and then giving you you know the final the final output. Like you're getting all those things. Like that's 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 treasure. And that's how I'm viewing this. I'm viewing this as one project to me. Like I'm I'm viewing it. As, it's almost like the album is the soundtrack to the docu series. I'm not viewing the, the standard. If I'm walking through Tower Records, which doesn't exist anymore, and I buy the the CD, which doesn't exist anymore, of, of Sonic Highways, I listen to it. I may love it, but that's not how we consume music and, 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 and art anymore. Like, oh, sure. it's one whole project. I watch every episode, I listen to every song, and now I go back. Just like when I go watch a Broadway show, and I, and I, and I listen to all these songs, I want to go buy, if I go to Les Mis, and I listen to all these, these songs, I go buy the album. I don't know if I just bought the album from Wicked or something, would I be like, this is great, because I have no context, you for know? Sure. So it's very, it's Qu- very interesting. Question for you, like, the, the episodes, so, are they in the interviews, or is it kind of like portrait style? They inter- they do a profile. Roll does all the interviews. So, he, but he's in he's in camera. Yeah, sometimes he's some, 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 sometimes he just oh. mix. He doesn't he, he doesn't he breaks all the, all the regular documenting rules. Sometimes he's in the shot. Sometimes you hear his voice. Sometimes, it's, but it's all shut up interview style. But he's doing all the interviews, uh, and then it goes back and forth between interviews and archival footage. Interweave with them actually in the town making that album. So you get a lot of good behind the scenes Foo Fighter stuff, their interactivity, like what they think. Like Taylor would be like, I don't know anything about, I don't, you know, I, like whatever. Taylor would say something like, I hate the blues. I don't give a shit about the blues, but I love Cheap Trick or, you know, whatever. He'll, you know, it'll be, you know, it'll, it's a lot of that stuff and it's really interesting. And, um, um, and how they write the songs. And one last thing, like in Nashville, the, all the guys were really affected by what, what the, 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 the Nashville vibe and, and recording in this legendary studio. And they came in, Dave Grohl came in and everybody was in cowboy hats and the, the intro to the song was the steel guitar and Grohl's like, no. We're not doing no, no, no. We have to, we're the Foo Fighters. Take the cowboy hats off. Get rid of the steel the guitar. Like it was just, just that stuff. And, uh, so it's really, it's really interesting stuff. Anyway, yeah, loved it. High uh, concept, man. High concept. Loved it. Highly recommend it. Last, last thing. Uh, we only got a couple minutes. Um, um, Call of Duty. Let's Call of Duty. Advanced Warfare. Advanced Warfare is has dropped. It of course has sold a bajillion dollars and done, done crazy business. Um, it is, uh, you know, it really takes full advantage of the next gen situation. Uh, it, it stars Kevin Spacey and, e- and Idris. Frank. Uh, yeah, Frank, Frank, Underwood. <laughs> Frank Underwood himself. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's good. 
uh, I haven't played it all the way through uh, conceptually. We saw it at E3. Got to play it. Some saw the Idris stuff, and we saw some other stuff. Like it, it it's really, really, really amazing. The, the the motion capture stuff, the face capture stuff, the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Um, just in terms of the story mode. Now, yeah. I, now, God, Lord knows what's going on in the in the uh, multiplayer. online in the multiplayer yeah. mode, which is where they do most of their business in right. multiplayer. But I love the story mode. So the fact they're really making the story mode very cinematic. I'm looking very much looking loving it. Um, I mean, I agree. Like I'm not I'm not so much as a video game aficionado as you um, in terms of playing, but I think there's two school, schools of thought. Like, one, people think that because Kevin Spacey is such a celebrity, it's hard for them to get immersed in the game, because right. when they see Kevin Spacey, they don't see the character in the game. Yeah. They see him. They see House of Cards. They it see it is Spacey, you know. Right. <laughs> so I, I think that was kind of like an argument. Like, even with uh, some of the voiceover guys, like Troy, Troy Baker, or whatever his uh-huh. name is, like, like they want to be able to feel like, if you're in a world, you're in a world. You don't want right. to have any... Uh, um, reminders of of reality. So, and then the second thing is, I mean, the technology. People are saying that it looks so real that it that it's amazing. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I, I did hear some critique about the the how how the story is is uh, communicated is so is so linear that like you have to like certain gameplay you have to do certain things and it's kind of limiting. Yeah. And I think people were criticizing that they wanted to be able to I want to shoot you I want to shoot you I don't have to punch you. Yeah. And like the game kind of makes you do certain moves at certain times to get to the next level. Yeah, Call, Call of Duty's done that. There's this move where you have to throw a knife or you have to, you know, grab a rope and you want to maybe I don't want to grab a rope. Maybe I want to go in there. So it's not an open world. Call right. of Duty's games have never been an open world right. situation and that's just people's going to get over it. It's really it's it's always been the story mode has been the story mode. For an open world world you can go to multiplayer. A uh, really quick Alexis, you're a gamer. What did you think? Um, I thought that it was... I, th- I thought it was really good. Right now, um, I think the campaign is um, much deeper, and I like, I've like. i always been a Kevin Spacey fan from House of Cards and all of his other acting you know, career, but... Um, I just I'm more amazed at the fact that it looks like I'm watching a movie as I'm playing. Yeah, like the cutscenes are just cutscenes are well ridiculous. Done. Yeah, yeah. But what's taking over my brain right now is uh, I'm surprised that you, we didn't get to talk about it today. Oh. It was the um, the Master Chief Collection for Halo came out for Xbox. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Wait, did it? Yeah. It did. How come I don't have that? I, I, That's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm really sleeping. It's really good. Like, so it's all the, it, it's, it's, taken, it's all the Halos remastered, right? Mm-hmm. I need, to, I, need, I need to pick that up. Yeah, it is. It literally has taken my my video game heart. Like that's where I'm at right now. Okay, it's so good. All right, cool. I need to peep that out, and, and maybe that's something you can do, Keila, because you're you're an old Halo guy. I am. It's so so good, guys. Well, when we get that million dollars, then we could do that. Okay, <laughs> we'll see. Uh, well, that, that, I think that's it for this week. Man, that's a lot. We, we got a lot in there. Um, uh, Akili, where can we find you? You sir? can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Akili Shine. A K I L I S H I N E. What about you, man? Where you at? Uh, I'm on Twitter. And Instagram at Joe K Braswell, and uh, yeah, and Alexis, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at a Torres eight nine zero. That's a t o r r e s. Thank you so much for listening to Geek Nerd Tech. Uh, we got all that stuff in. Go see Interstellar. Go watch. Go watch it. Uh, and go watch uh, Sonic Highways. Go find it. Uh, we'll see you next week. Bye. From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. Hollywood Redefined.
The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.